three, three, two, one, and we are back. Folks, we've got another great episode for you today. We're going to make the hearts feel good. It's a positive episode. Barzy's ready to go. He's dancing. The podcast, always sponsored by Celsius. Everybody knows that. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We're back. We got a good one for you today. Barzy, what are we getting into? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's quite the world we all live in. You know, there there seems to be so much badness, so much darkness, just so much so much negativity going on, and especially especially over the last 15, 16 months. And that's where we come in. We're coming in here today to provide you guys with a little light at the end of the tunnel. And honestly, the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to come through after pandemic, but we want to be even more positive. Today's episode is basically going to focus on uplifting news, any sort of good news that you guys may not know about, may not read about, because the, the only thing you ever see on Twitter or the news, whether it be on TV, computer, whatever, it's all bad. And that's understood, you know. Bad sells. It sells. People click on, you know, stories of whatever, badness. But today, we're going to be good. We're going to be all about goodness. That's just not who we are, all right? We bring a different a different genre to the table here. We bring light to the world of media. And with that being said, Barzi, get into the explanation here. What do we got going today? We got some good stories. Yes. Yeah, so... On our uh, one of our favorite sites, we, we like to use it for this podcast, Reddit. Big forum, everyone talks, everyone posts stuff. There is a subreddit called Uplifting News, like I said, all good news of any sort. So we each found three to five or so articles to bring to the table. We may not get through them all. We may end up going into discussion because you know how we like to talk, say stupid things. So we're all just, we have a couple articles that we're going to bring to the table here and break down a little bit, talk about, and that's basically what we got today. So yeah. strap it in, folks. Just relax. Grab your popcorn. It's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a good one. Listen, this is this is your, if you're going on a nice walk or at the gym and you just want to be in a good mood, we're just going to share some great stories with you, elaborate on them a little. A lot of these stories that we're bringing to the table, they're simply just headlines of good things that have happened, all right? A lot of them in context of society as a whole. So we're going to have some wonderful discussion today. And with that being said, Barzi, I'll let you take it away with the first story. What is the first wonderful, positive thing that we have to share with our listeners today? Oh, you're such a nice guy. So I'm going to do the story. We briefly did a rundown right before the episode just to make sure we didn't have conflicting stories. This was one that did match up. We both took this one. And I'll get that one going because this, this is this is pretty big news. So Mark Cuban, you guys may all know him as Shark Tank extraordinaire, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, billionaire, rich guy. I met Mark Cuban, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. I got a picture. Ah, of him. really? So basically, basically sick. Yeah. Uh, hold on, um, real quick. Let, let's hit the pause button, Barzi. How did yeah. you meet Mark Cuban? Because I, you know, I before we get sure, into this episode, I'm a little picture. I'm a little curious on you meeting mark cuban it was it was one of those instances it was actually last summer it was one of those instances that was just pure luck um i was in california um visiting just we're vacationing with some family friends so we went to their hotel for the day and mark cuban apparently had recently bought a house in that area and we were down on the beach and lo and behold mark cuban's just hanging out Went up to him, and he, I think he graduated from Indiana. So I said something about just being a Valpo guy um, and got a picture with him. It was great. Mark wow. Cuban. Go. There you have it, folks. Mark Cuban, <laughs> a proud supporter of You Wouldn't Get It, one of the podcast's biggest fans. <laughs> oh, yes, listens to all the episodes. So, Mark Cuban, after that little story, he has determined that he's going to launch a generic drug company that is targeted at basically releasing all these name brand drugs in super cheap format. Uh, because the issue with drugs nowadays is when it comes to insurance and the pharmaceutical companies, they just ramp up the prices, make it absurdly expensive 
make it uh, insulin for people with diabetes is a big example of it. You know, prices just get ramped up, super competitive. Mark Cuban's coming out here and he's basically saying, I'm going to provide low cost versions of high cost generic drugs. And the article actually says here, so the first drug that's going to be produced is albendazole. That's probably very pronounced wrong. It's an antiparasitic drug, but he hopes that by the end of 2021, more than 100 drugs are in production. So he's he's making the world a better place. Yeah, he is making the world a better place. And this is one of those things where I feel like the majority of the the American population kind of agrees that this is like a huge problem. It is. It's gotten a little political, I guess. But you go left, right, center, the extremes. Pretty much everyone understands that there's an issue with with big pharma and these drug prices. Um, uh-huh. Some people, such as Mark Cuban, have been brave enough to stand out against this issue, um, especially someone of his stature and you know holding the status that he does in society. And so, yeah, it's great to see because again, it is a huge problem, especially with some of the drugs like the one you named, insulin. Um, now. There's different ways about how people think this should be resolved. Um, that's where it gets a little bit political. We won't get into that too much. But the fact that he's using his resources and wealth to kind of develop this company that's going to shoot out some lower price drugs that, you know, when you talk like it's something like insulin, a lot of people need insulin. That's not just a, a rare, um, you know, needed drug. A lot of people need insulin. Another example of this, and this was almost one of the stories I brought to the table that wasn't in the Reddit, uh, is they're developing a new drug for Alzheimer's right now that apparently is doing really well. The problem with this now is that the CEO of that company um, that is developing the the drug has come out to say that it's probably going to cost around Fifty-five to sixty-five thousand a year, and was kind of acting as if that was a low, fair number. Obviously, the people of Twitter and social media, you know, uproar and outrage because that's, you know, a lot of people. That's your yearly salary, especially when you speak in context of the U.S., <laughs> where the average median income is right around like thirty-three, thirty-four thousand. So that's actually more than the average median income, and. So, yeah, it's a huge problem. And I think that a lot of these drug companies have just gotten to the point where they think they're being fair. Like, it's not even to the point where they're just screwing over. They are screwing over the public, but they're doing it almost blindly now. Like, they just think it's an accepted practice. Props to Mark Cuban stepping up and saying, hey, we can do this a lot better. And I'm going to show you guys, like, if you're not going to lower your prices and be fair to people that need these these drugs to live and survive, then I'm going to sell them for way cheaper and put you guys out of business. Quite, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of what he's doing there. Yep, 100%. And a bigger discussion that this could kind of lead into and for me is one of the big criticism criticisms of these mega rich multi multi-billionaire people the richest in the world the richest in the country is that they don't really give back or they don't really contribute as much as they should whatever that's that's the big criticism wherever you look this is mark cuban here going out of his way to say look i have a lot of money i'm gonna put this to good use instead of just hoarding this money and being making sure like having money that you could never ever ever in your whole lifetime your family's lifetime an infinite lifetime spent yeah this is mark cuban going out of his way and another example of this today i saw that Mackenzie scott jeff bezos's ex-wife um is donating another six billion dollars or two billion dollars or something like that she already donated eight billion last year um, so she's donating all this money to different forms, and it's just, regardless of what you think on the issue, it is these multi, multi-billionaire, these super rich people who are stepping up and, you know, helping out and yeah. doing their, knowing their role in the situation. So applause to Mark Cuban here. 
Right. And, and, you know, Mark Cuban's been one of those actors that's always kind of been like this, to be honest with you. Yes, he's a guy that's just yeah. very, he's very aware and he's very concerned about the overall health and well-being of, you know, our country and even other countries outside of our own. Um, he actually came out a couple years ago and it's, it's one of my favorite videos that I've watched. He said, you know, in concerns to taxes and how much I'm paying on taxes, the government is kind of hosing the American public because I do not pay nearly what I should in taxes, which was a very, you know, I don't want to say a hot take, but you don't see a lot of guys that are in his position with that amount of money openly saying that they think they should pay more in taxes. A lot of people think they should be right, but they'll never come out and say it. And so it was eye-opening and, and just refreshing to see him come out and say, look, again, like you said, I have so much money, I could literally never spend this. No human being needs that amount of money. I, I have always been on the train of you know, props to the people that make it to that position. I know it's a lot of hard work. I know there's you know, countless hours spent in maybe positions where they didn't have that amount of wealth, where they struggled, and then got to the position they are. But at some point, there's a line, right, where it's like just an absurd amount of money that could be used for such better things. And to talk about Bezos, you know, he's been a guy critiqued in the past for how he's treated employees and how he's went about having his money. Uh, so, yeah, again, just great story out of Mark Cuban there. I hope that his business, you know, turns into a great success and that he's prosperous with that and hopefully i'm guessing what his goal is is to get other companies to kind of kind of mimic that so they can stay competitive and uh lower their prices as well which would be phenomenal and a, a huge move and win for society we'll see how it plays out i mean big pharma again people have been preaching it for years and years to someone has to do something about it and they always find a way to kind of weasel around it and still jack up prices and, you know, cost people a living to just pay for their drugs that they literally need to survive. So, um, but yes, great stuff. I'm all for it. Barzi. Certified good guy. Easton, give me your good news story of the day. Yes. So my first good news story comes out of Newark. Okay. Newark. Okay. The Newark police department released their statistics and in 2020 which again you know i'm going to be the statistical nerd here i get that it was kind of an anomaly where uh, you know not as many people out not as many people uh -huh. doing things but their police department did not fire a single shot in the year of 2020 and this they credit to um a new de-escalation program that they put into place um, basically just extending the training for their officers, teaching them how to properly de-escalate situations. Again, you know, a bit of a statistical anomaly. I know that not every department has this opportunity. If you go to like the Chicago Police Department or NYPD, let's say, you're probably not going to get a whole year of no gunshots. Um, it's just the nature of it. But Really cool to see this, that they, you know, implemented a de-escalation program and it went on to be successful to the point that no one even fired a shot within the department. And so, you know, props to them for that, because society as a whole has been calling for a change in that area for the last couple of years, really. And really the last two years, it's received a lot of attention for the right reasons. And these guys, you know, they these men and women in uniform took it upon themselves to try to make that change and try to show, hey, we want to act in the best interest of society too and and not just be, you know, at a standpoint with everyone where it's like cops versus the people or cops versus people who don't like cops. You know, they mixed that together and said, let's work proactively together and and make this happen, get things done. So I thought that that was a cool story to see there. And kind of a crazy statistic that you know literally not one shot was fired in the whole year of 2020 out of that police department and you're, you're right in the fact that it was an anomaly but at the same time it goes to show 
it's just proof that police reform is possible through education, through these different programs. It, sure, we talked a lot about how on Twitter you're going to see the extremes of things. So a lot of traction has been gained into um, like basically getting rid of the police. Right. There are many. Uh, this is an example of reform and educate. And I think that is best for everyone in these situations because, you know, if you have a police crew full of high standing, um, high moral individuals, this is going to be beneficial to everyone in a town or in a community. And obviously it's much easier said than done to achieve that. But I think if a situation like that comes along where we have upstanding citizens in our police force, it's much better than these much more extreme ideas of getting rid of the police force completely. So, yes, this is a very good story um, and just proof that reform education and education over many things is a solution to many issues in the country we have today. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was good to see, too, that I was just reading in the article, um, the attorney general of the state of Ohio came out and said that openly you had groups of law enforcement agencies who really had minimal to no training on enforcing the law, which is the whole concept of the police in the first place is to enforce the law. Right. And. So for him to say that and address that as an issue, I think is huge because really that's that's what this comes down to is is training. Yes. And that's been the big critique ever since all of this stuff blew up is the lack of training. Um, you know, you saw statistics come out that that uh, hairstylists had like 10 times the amount of training hours as police officers. Um, I have friends in the police, I family friends. There are a lot of great people there that are good actors. It just comes down to it's a high stress, incredibly hard job, and yeah. there's a specific type of person that should be working it, and that's that's just blatant. That's the way it should be. It's not a job everyone can do. Um, no. So yeah, to see that they implemented this de-escalation program and it actually worked um, and was a success is awesome to see. Hopefully, other cities around the country can also get in on this and. Um, continue to improve training, which, to be honest with you, I feel like I am seeing a trend of, you know, police departments are yeah. kind of getting pressured to the point where it's like, either we make these changes that we have to make, or, you know, the people are going to continue to be furious with us. And it's, mm -hmm. it's relevant, you know, especially in places like Minneapolis, where they've ha had multiple incidents throughout the last two years, a lot of which received national media attention. Um, and so, they're at a point where it's either you change or there's going to be an uproar. And a lot of times that's not in the best interest for either parties, but it, it is what's going to happen in those situations because people get, you know, very frustrated with it. So yeah. Awesome to see out of Newark another silent round of applause there. Yes. Positive story too. up your alleys. So much positivity, so much positivity that I can't, get enough of it this next one we're going to go more in the science direction so yeah science this one is about a drug that actually or no this isn't drug this is a shot that it's it's kind of an experimental thing still but this, this isn't approved fda anything but it's something that they're working towards and it's a step in the right general direction um in this field so there was a child who was suffering from a some kind of blindness from a cognitive disease they had. And there is a shot that's being developed that actually restored vision to this child for an entire year and for up to 15 months um, improved their like their vision and odor or something along those lines. I'm not yeah. a science, so I'm not going to use all the scientific words. But this is obviously a step in a huge direction towards fixing this. Obviously, it only lasted a year, 15-ish months, um, but it doesn't mean that if shot like this continues to develop or anything along these lines, that there is now a path towards a possible cure for blindness, which is, is ridiculous to think about because that's 
it's something that's always been thought of as, yeah, it's if you end up um, being born blind or falling into blindness, well, it's it's a horrible situation and there really hasn't been any kind of cure for it. Now there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel and we've, we've used that phrase today already, but it's the truth here. And there's many different kind of um, medical developments. Not only this, you, you talked about Alzheimer's earlier, medical fields and the developments that are happening in them right now are rapidly furthering what we can do, what doctors are capable of curing with diseases like blindness, Alzheimer's, anything. So this, this was awesome to see just because it shows that the medical advancements continue to be made and who knows where we'll be in 10, 15, 20 years even. Yeah. No, you took the the words out of my mouth with that one. I was going to say, cut this and make a little clip out of it, promo for the people. But the the medical field in the last five to 10 years, uh, especially on the research side, is just doing amazing, incredible things. And, you know, from knowing some people in the medical field and um, being around that scene, it's just awesome to hear. And it's honestly mind blowing. Some of the things that they're coming up with, you talked about one of them, you know, blindness, something that we've just seen as incurable for, you know, since the beginning of time, really. And then Alzheimer's, it seemed like we just could not make progress on that, could not make progress on that. You know, we're getting introduction of stem cell treatment now. Yep. Just a lot of cool stuff going out there. And I mean, for for me and for future generations, younger people, this is super promising moving forward because it just goes to show like those people are working their asses off to to try and help these uh, these conditions and help people that are suffering through them. And it's it's just a great field. That's why I hate the uh, you know, I feel like the coronavirus kind of brought some negative slander towards medical professionals. Um, you know, most yep. people would agree, uh, you know, the nurses and the majority of doctors and whatnot were all thankful, grateful for. Uh, they helped a ton during the pandemic, especially. But, you know, since there's the controversy with the vaccine and all this stuff, Top medical professionals, and uh, especially in the field of research, have received a lot of hate the last few years. And I, I really, there's two things there. First of all, no one that is giving those opinions has any right to give those opinions. You know, I hear these people talk about like all the crazy stuff the vaccine's going to do to them, and how it's like not not researched enough, hasn't been this, hasn't been that. You are not as smart as as the man or woman who went to 12 years of school and who's been in this field of research for however many years. It, you know, these same people couldn't get a C in an, in an entry level college biology class. Yet they're out here slandering these guys, saying that they're, you know, not smart, that they're doing this to corrupt the public, blah, blah, blah. It's just nonsense, man. Like these guys are legit geniuses and they're helping people out in incredible ways. So that talk just rubs me the wrong way for some reason, <laughs> but it's just nonsense. It's garbage. And, you know, second of all, to those people, like just keep chugging along because it seems like we're reaching one of those. I don't know the, the correct word for it, but there's those points in history where big advancements are made in kind of a, a grouping of time, right? Like at the early yeah. part of this century, you had the, the technology boom. And throughout history, you've had, um, you know, medical booms where we come out with a lot of cool technology or different ways of handling things. And it kind of seems like we're on the verge of one of those where we're about to get a lot yeah. of cool treatments, medicines, um, whatever, you know, re rehabilitation ways that medical professionals are spitting out right now. And it's awesome to see because like you said, hopefully five, 10 years down the road, like we've really got the ball rolling on some of these serious conditions that people have. It, you, you start touching on it, but yes, these scientists, the vaccine is an example of it. And it just goes to show what people and what mankind is capable of when all these 
incredibly intelligent people in a field come together and put all their brain power into we had a global pandemic pandemic like the world was shut down because of it and everyone came together and basically in less than a year i shouldn't say everyone all these all these scientists and medical people came together and developed a vaccine that has basically if people continue to take it will effectively render this pandemic this disease covid gone just like vaccines throughout history have done things like polio, um, smallpox, just like that, gone, but only in less than a year. The time that this was advanced, developed, and that is where people say, oh, there's not enough time. I want people to understand that when they say emergency approval, whatever, it's still approved in, in very safe ways. It's solely because usually vaccines take much longer to approve because there's not the financial backing. That's just what happens. There's no money to really speed up the process. For this, there was the money. So they were able to get it put through trials and phase super quickly. And that's why this is different. Vaccines, because you think of vaccine trials as taking super long. It's just because the funding's not there. For this, the funding was there. Yeah. And what people need to understand, too, is there was a legitimate international, every single country on this globe need for a vaccine so you had all of the top medical professionals working on this and trying to get this vaccine out as quickly as possible yes the vaccines usually take a little bit longer like when you turn back to you know some more common conditions um they take longer because these people are focusing on a million different things at a time when the coronavirus hit that became top priority for almost every nation to put their top medical experts on that. So naturally, it's going to happen quick. That's that's just what happens when you get more manpower, more brain power behind something. And so, yeah, it's ridiculous. And and back to, you know, this potential, I don't want to say cure to blindness, but it's doing something for blindness, at least, and yeah. could potentially lead to a cure. This is stuff that's just amazing and cool. And I hope, I really hope that the way that the pandemic was treated and and top medical professionals were kind of slandered and and people acted as if they weren't 400 times smarter than the average person. (laughs) I hope that doesn't, I hope that doesn't wear off into other subjects where all of a sudden now all of this stuff has to become controversial. And it's like, oh, this guy's getting a shot for blindness. Uh, he always oh, got magnets sticking to his neck and he's, yeah. he's got, you know, he's growing a third leg and stuff like it's just it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And yeah. yeah, and and people just love to find this is what it comes down to. I've, I've found Barzi is people just love to find a way to try and make something interesting and controversial. Now, everyone's so political that literally yes. everything that happens. They've got to dig deep into some dark web and find a way to make this controversial. Where if you went back 30, 40 years, if this same thing happened and the vaccine got cranked out, you would have a population worth of lines at every place to get this vaccine because they're like, hey, everyone's sick. We can't do anything. Let's get this over with. Yeah. But now you got 30% of the population that thinks it's going to turn them into a lizard. So. (laughs) <laughs> everything's got to be conspiracy and we won't get into it but that's just it's the misinformation age it's yeah. the internet allows information to be spread very easily we've talked about that before at where 30 40 years ago it's not easy to spread all these crazy conspiracies conspiracies stayed in their small little call like yeah you know whatever it spaces. was like it's it not was like, like that oh my doctor said I should probably go get this vaccine. I'll go get it. Where so now it's like, oh, my doctor is some deep state conspiracy theorist that's working <laughs> alongside with the Clintons and trying to, you know, control the population. It's insane. It's insanity. But yeah. And this is why, Barzi, when you told me that we should bring five of these to the table, I was saying only three because I knew I knew we'd get going. And it's just how it is. You get us going. Exactly. But, with so, that being said, yeah, I'll move on to my second one here. Okay. Some other okay. great news. This is coming out of my uh, 
I guess you'll call it perspective state, state I'm looking to hopefully move to within the next year. Coming out of Colorado, the Colorado governor is aiming to mass pardon over 2,700 plus marijuana convictions, marijuana-related convictions. Um, You know, this is something that's that kind of gained some traction at the end of uh, President Obama's term. He was pardoning, you know, thousands of people for nonviolent drug offenses, which, you know, being the politics junkie here, presidents do try to do those like feel good moves at the end of their term to leave everyone on a, a nice high note as they exit. But truthfully, it's something that a lot of states should do, especially, you know, you have states like Colorado that have now legalized marijuana for recreational and medical use um and you still have people in these these prisons for offenses related to that when you know had they done the same thing today they would not be in prison so you know not not necessarily so much on the debate of should you legalize it or not legalize it but the fact that they're handling it rationally i think other states should follow that lead and you know, start to release some of these guys that, again, would not be in the prison cells had they, you know, committed the same acts today that they did whenever they were incarcerated in the first place. And this kind of leads to the the idea of another, another topic we could spend five separate episodes talking on, the idea of mass incarceration, how yeah. weed is continuing to be legalized in states across the country. Yet it hands down is the reason why most people are in prison. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. And the, the three strike laws that are still in place in, in, um, in certain spots. Is, and I don't even know that could be a national law, too, where they're, if you're charged three separate times with a drug offense, you're in prison for life, which is ridiculous. Nonviolent offenders, nonviolent crimes make up pretty much uh, almost like a very big chunk of the prison system so that's something that needs to change so the legalization here continuing to be forwarded and, and it will be it, there's yeah. already these the movements and the psychedelics starting to be um experimented with and legalized in some manners so the, the i guess the I, I can't think of the word right now but the perspective people have on drugs you know it, it's starting to change on um, weed certain psychedelics, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And see, this is the the take I've always had is regardless of your opinion on, you know, say marijuana or something like, uh, you know, psychoactive drugs like mushrooms that are being experimented in different states for treatment on things such as PTSD, right? Um, yeah. Regardless of your opinion on them, uh, as far as if you choose to use them, not use them, what it boils down to is just be a rational good person towards the criminal justice system because these people don't belong in prison that's not the way we solve these problems there's been study after study after study that shows that this idea of mass incarceration is not detouring crimes related to that one bit and that was the whole goal of this the whole the the war on drugs was to stop drug use stop you know having people put in jail for drug related crimes because we're just going to outlaw drugs and punish everyone to the maximum extent for using them where so now you've got other countries such as Portugal who are taking the opposite approach uh to actually using them to rehab these people and to treat it as, uh, again, a rehabilitation process rather than just locking them in a cell for, you know, five years, letting them back out, the same things happen. And that's where abuse starts to come in. Portugal flipped the script and it's been a huge success for them. And hopefully, as related to this story here, Colorado kind of gets the ball rolling because like you said, the overall, you know, public view of this is shifting regardless. Um, and so keeping people in prison for this is just, it's asinine, it's ridiculous. And I even saw the story right below this that was also one that I was potentially going to read, talked about how they've now extended the research um, on marijuana, because before 
especially in states where it wasn't legal, they were only allowed to use a very low concentrated form of it. So they weren't getting accurate studies on it. And now um, the FDA actually, or sorry, the, the DEA lowered their restrictions very secretly. Of course, they didn't want to make a public statement about it because they've been so anti-drug that God forbid they come out and say something logical. But, but they are allowing studies to use the actual form that most people consume um, in terms of you know, concentration levels. And now we can do full studies on it. And that's what everyone's been wanting, especially in the medical realm. People want these studies to be published because they want to know, hey, it's helping me short term. Are there long term effects? What's going to happen down the road? What else can this potentially help us with? So, yeah, I mean, a great shift in public opinion and hopefully the, the criminal justice system kind of follows follows their lead and begins to realize that a lot of what they've done is stupidity. Yeah. And I think, well, it's just a matter of time. Um, who knows how much time it's a matter of time. So the last, I, I think you were probably right with the three stories here. So we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We'll each do one more story, talk on them. So my last story is a feel-good story surrounding an athlete and his wife. So Steph and Aisha Curry, during the p- pandemic alone, served up to 15 million um, meals during coronavirus pandemic to hungry, underemployed families and just a good person, good people doing good things, benefiting society, um, benefiting those who are underprivileged. And, you know, we need more of this in the world. We need just more goodness, more happiness, just more more good people to spread the wealth. And they did that. And Steph Curry has always, and Aisha, they've both been the the poster child for the charities, um, for helping those in need. And they're not the only ones. There's plenty of people in the NBA, plenty of people in, in sports in general, plenty of athletes, celebrities all over the world who have foundations and charities. And a lot of the times things like these don't get reported on as much. Well, this here, this, this deserves to be reported on because it shows that these people have Steph and Aisha and the many that I haven't mentioned have compassion for those um, who they, they aren't walking in the same shoes as. So another round of applause, Steph and Aisha, 15 million meals to those um, who underemployed, those who are hungry. And actually, um, this, this also kind of gave a small little stimulus into the economy as well. Um, it stated in the article that it helped like $20 million um, kind of put back into the local economy and also led to the rehiring of more than in the Oakland area. 900 restaurant workers so it had a lot of very beneficial factors yeah the effects of generosity you could call it um and again this kind of goes back to the mark cuban concept we talked about earlier a lot of people are in very very fortunate positions and you know there's always been kind of the overarching debate of are these people you know responsible for helping the public and giving back technically no they can do whatever they want with their money but to be in such a position i mean as a decent human being you have to feel some sort of gratitude and i'm sure especially in steph curry's case um you know his his financial position is driven by support from people that love watching him perform and um, that love the game of basketball. So honestly, you could argue it's pretty much all fan based. Even when you go to sponsorships, uh, you go to Under Armour, people are buying his shoes and his gear because it's Steph Curry gear. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it is, it's a great thing for Steph and Aisha Curry, but I'm sure they feel the same way that I would kind of feel in that position. And that is like, a responsibility to give back because again that they are the people who drove your revenue who put you in the position you're at and 
you know, without them, he wouldn't be where he's at. And you can honestly kind of make the same argument, even in like the world of business with Mark Cuban, you know, he got help from a lot of people and support from a lot of people. And he knows that the employees that are at the lowest level of his businesses, I'm talking the lowest levels, right, are important to that company's success. And they all bring something essential to the table that that company needs. So he's trying to take care to take care of them, give back to them, show, hey, I'm not just looking out for, you know, the executives that sit around the round table and make decisions for the company and that are making Uber, you know, millions upon billions sometimes of dollars. Those people are just as important to the efficiency and how productive the company is. And he's always had that mindset. And to be honest with you, I think that's part of the reason he's as successful as he is, is because he understands the value of all employees, not just those that are at the top and that surround him. And so, yeah, he just, he veers clear of that, like, I don't care about anyone else personality. You know, you have those people that say, if I made a billion dollars, um, you'd never see me again. I'd be off the grid, just living my life. I, I get that to some extent, but it's like, you can help so many people out and i'm sure that he's actually found you know talking about him and steph curry i'm sure that they found when they do things like that give 15 million meals create jobs put back into the economy um create a, a new drug company that lowers prices that probably feels way better personally and just gives you a better feeling inside than you know buying a 51 million dollar private jet or something like that can they do those things because they have the money? Absolutely. But when they're giving back like that, there has to be just a sense of, uh, you know, um, self, self greatness kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm again, it's, it's great news, but I'm sure that they found that that is what makes them happy. So they love doing it. And probably I would argue the majority of people in that position would feel the same way if they chose to act in, that type of generosity so it's awesome yeah and again it's another awesome. sil silent round of applause for steph and aisha there and it's yeah, and uh, I, oh go ahead yeah i was just gonna say the the moral of this and the moral of basically this whole episode just hold out your hand and help someone out regardless of the situation whether it be um people who are more fortunate helping out the people who are less fortunate or if it be something as small of your your friend is having a bad day, something you don't know just looks like they're having a bad day. Be a good person. That's all I got there. Easton, close exactly. us out with your finals. Yeah, and just one more quick note on that. You don't realize how many other people you can be helping as well because, like you mentioned, in the Steph Curry case, you know, he probably thought he was just, you know, creating 15 million meals or whatever for people who really needed it. And then all of a sudden you look at it and it's like, wow, he also just put, you know, tens of millions of dollars back into the economy, into local, you know, grocers and restaurants who then can hire back some employees. Maybe they lost from the pandemic. So it just has this chain reaction effect of of positive things. And it's crazy what, you know, one good deed can do there. So great stuff, Steph. And to get to the last one here, this is something that happened outside the sphere of the U.S., but a great story. So. About a, a little less than half a year ago, in the UK, the Supreme Court uh, passed a rule that basically declared Uber drivers are considered to be employees, and thus they should be entitled to employee rights, um, have holiday pay, should make at least a minimum wage. And this, to me, was great. I don't know if you follow this guy on Twitter. Um, I believe his name is Dan Price. Uh, he is well known for writing a book and within his company, he raised all employees to making at least $70,000 a year. And in doing so, he cut his own pay, still making millions of dollars. He's, you know, very successful CEO, but he took care of his, of his employees and they've basically, you know, Harvard business has done case studies on how this has actually increased the productivity of his business. Um, and has had long run 
beneficial effects rather than when you look at some CEOs that just try to skimp employees on every corner possible. One area where this was pointed out by Dan Price actually is when you look at companies like Uber, um, DoorDash, uh, all, all the companies in that sphere there, how they have kind of abused their employees in a way and in certain cases charging like 30% of fees towards the restaurant and um, the person ordering the food and very minimal amount of that goes back to the actual delivery driver. Um, and this business has really become something that I don't want to say it's essential to the the whole population, but it's very commonly used now. It's become, you know, you have experience. I mean, groceries, food, Uber driving, it's huge now. All of the companies are over multiple billions of dollars or worth over multiple billions of dollars. So to see the UK pass this and say, hey, these are employees. Um, they're doing a great service for your company and they're essential to your success. You have to treat them like other companies treat their employees, which is provide at least a basic minimum wage and, you know, certain benefits and rights that come to being uh, either a part-time or full-time employee of a company. Shocking that, like we just said, if you're good to people, they'll give you good in return. It's the same situation with these companies, with any company, really. If you treat even your lowest level employees with decency, with respect, you're going to get more um, productivity out of them. You're going to get, and this, this is all the way up the chain. And like you said, Dan Price um, taking a cut in his own situation. He's still making millions of dollars, but now those that work for him, that make him what he is, are also now reaping the benefits of it all. Yeah. And, and it's really, and it's to, really very simple. Yeah. And to read just his exact tweet that I pointed out earlier, because I think it kind of just shines a direct light on this problem. He said, quote unquote, in the pandemic, Postmates sold for $2.6 billion, Grubhub sold for $7 billion, DoorDash CEO was paid $410 million, and Uber Eats revenue is up 152%. Meanwhile, they're charging restaurants 30% fees and don't pay drivers the minimum wage or benefits that come with being an employee. And then at the end, he threw in support restaurants directly. Um, and yeah, it goes back to even Uber. Um, they talked about Uber Eats, but Uber as itself has been a huge kind of controversial company with how they've treated employees and how they've paid them. Um, so it's great to see, you know, some governments taking initiative to really protect these people as employees because, yeah, maybe 10 years ago, it was kind of thought of as sort of a silly idea like, oh, you know, I'll be an Uber driver on the side or I'll deliver, you know, DoorDash food, whatever. But it's becoming a point where people are legit doing this for jobs now. And and that's not to add to the silliness factor. That's because there's actual demand for this, right? There's people are using these services and they're getting huge and they're replacing old methods of whether it be driving, um, delivery of food, picking up groceries, whatever. It's being replaced by these services. Um, and so to say that they shouldn't be treated as employees is kind of ridiculous to me and again good to see the uk government recognizing that and passing something that that protects the employees i'm all about that so uh good stuff uk keep up the good work so much good news in this episode so much happiness i just love it can't get enough of it and guess what time it is I know exactly what time it is. You better not ruin. You better not ruin the morale. Yeah, right listen, now. I'm. I'm this in is a all tough, on you. I'm in a You're tough, in a spot, tough here spot because I. I really. I mean, if I go anything below an eight today, it ruins the whole episode. You know, there's. Yeah. This is the first time I think I've felt actual pressure on the Barzy rating because you know, we've got such a good good vibe going right now that uh. You're back into a corner, buddy. Yeah, man. But listen, hey, again, all the stuff brought to the table today by you, great stories. It's good for everyone to hear a little bit of positive news to maybe start their day off or wrap their day up, whatever you may be doing when you listen to this. And 
in a post-pandemic or close to post-pandemic world, there just is a lot of positive news. And it's great because we went through about a year and a half of just, to be fair, just shit news every single day. You flipped on the news and it was just bad thing after bad thing. Yeah. Even outside of the pandemic, it didn't even have to do with the pandemic sometimes. There were other horrible things happening. So, Barzi, this is a great episode. Hopefully, we made some people's days by sharing this fantastic news. Credit to you because this was also your idea. What's the, what's the highest I've given you? 9-4? 9-5? Yes, I, I was going to say 9-4. You know what? This is the episode where you just keep it on the highest note. Barzy, I'm going to give you a 9-6 today. 9-6. Barzy's highest highest rating ever. Yeah, it might have been planned. And, you know, that's a little garbage out of you if so. But, you know, 9-6. It was a great, great episode. Um, We made everyone else happy, so I'll make you happy today. There you have it. I'm happy. It was. You you said it all. And there's not much more that needs to be said. It was a great episode. Uh, a very cheerful episode. And, you know, we just wanted to highlight that there is good in the world. There's always going to be good in the world. There's always going to be bad in the world. Um, and a lot of times the bad is focused on more so than the good. But that doesn't mean that the good is not there. And it doesn't mean that the good is not there in overwhelming chunks or amounts yeah remember that and you know another thing to just mention is the good does always exist it's just in today's kind of world of media sometimes you have to do a little bit to find it out yourself you know as we props to whoever made this reddit thread great idea but a lot of these stories aren't making exactly um headline news it's like Again, like you said at the beginning of the episode, a lot of times bad news is what makes the most money. And that's what a lot of the the media companies are concerned with is, you know, reeling in the dollar. So there are always good things happening and you just have to kind of go out of your way to find them. I'm glad we ran into this thread. It just lays out all the good happening in the world and it's refreshing to see. Um, so, yeah. and And again. Our listeners know that. That's why they tune in. We do things a little different around here. Well, we're always doing things different around here. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. You guys know where to find us. Twitter, you know, all the spots. All the spots. TikTok. YouTube, TikTok, um, Apple, Spotify. You really can't escape us. We've said it countless times. We're everywhere, no matter what you think. So yep. use you code. You wouldn't get it on Celsius for 0% off. <laughs> maybe one day that'll change though maybe one day that'll change alright guys Peace. we'll see you next time